0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best in horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcast, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. the radio show nerd, and kind of kind of and I am going to take it back a little bit in this episode being this is the season finale of season 6 so I call this Where It All Began because I will be featuring two radio plays starring the great Agnes Moorhead and if you are as the youngins like to say my Day Ones, you know that the debut episode of this podcast, I featured Agnes Moorhead with Sorry, Wrong Number and The Diary of Sabronia Winters. So I thought it was fitting that I give this extraordinary actress her flowers again. So without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Inner Sanctum and CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Our first radio play is called The Listener and it was first broadcasted on July 20th, 1952. Our second story is called The Old Ones Are Hard to Kill and this was the very first episode of CBS Radio Mystery Theater. And this was first broadcasted on. January 6, 1974. Unfortunately we would lose. Miss Moorhead. A few months later. To cancer. I will also be. <laughs> I have a little surprise for you also. At the end of this podcast. So. You all know the drill. Sit back. Turn down the lights and listen to The Listener, followed by The Old Ones Are Hard to Kill.
1: Good evening, friends. Of the creaking door, this is your host to welcome you into the Inner Sanctum for another visit with your favorite character. We're back again with a familiar subject, murder. Ever want to find out how scared you can get? Mm. Well, suppose you hang around for a while, and when the show's over, I'll cut you down. (laughs) All right. Suppose we get down to brass tacks. And I do mean the ones that go around the edge of a coffin. In a tiny cottage lost in a wild, desolate section of rural New England, Ellen Richards sits in a chair, listening. Approaching 60, white-haired, with eyes that dance nervously in the firelight, she listens. She hears the winds weeping and moaning, grim heralds of the bleak winter, but she listens.
2: I'm alone. (laughs) Gregory! You you wouldn't do this to me if I weren't alone. Hello, operator. Hello, what's the matter with you? Number, please. Hello, operator. I want you to ring my nephew, Leslie Richards. Tell him to come home at once. Number, please. My nephew, Leslie, I told you. What's the matter with you? Don't you understand? You must hurry. I beg your pardon. What? Car. Number, number. Oh, he's in town somewhere. The depot. Call him at the depot. Oh, don't you understand? I hear the boots. Those heavy, hard little boots. And the cane tapping. It's my husband. He's coming up out of the cellar step by step. And he's been dead for five years. And now he's on the landing. And now he's opening the door. And now... <laughs> oh.
3: Hello,
2: Andy. Oh, Leslie, you darling, darling boy. Oh, it's you, it's you, and not the other. Really, I don't quite understand. (laughs) Oh, dear boy, you must forgive me, I'm hysterical. Just be patient with me, I'll be all right in a minute. What's wrong, what happened? Let me hold your hand. Oh, just knowing that you're here makes me feel better already. I thought I'd go out of my mind. Oh, you poor mm-hmm. darling.
4: Now, if you'll only tell me what. Wait
2: a moment. Do you hear anything?
4: Just the wind?
2: That's all?
4: That's all.
2: Oh, Leslie, you mustn't leave me alone ever again. I simply can't bear to be alone. But
4: I just drove to the station to get Miss Morrow. Darling, you're in a terrible state. You really must sit down. I'll get no, you. No,
2: honey. no, no. I'll be all right, Chad. Be all right. Where's Mrs. Morrow now?
4: She went through the side entrance in her room, I guess.
2: I think I'm going to discharge that girl. Why? Oh, I don't know. I feel she doesn't belong here. I don't like strangers about Really,
5: Auntie, You're being silly. You can't bear being alone,
4: and now you want to discharge your companion.
2: Well, you're here now. But
4: I can't be with you all the time. Leslie. But you almost never leave the house, and someone must go out to get things done once in a while.
2: Oh, Oh, yes, I suppose you're right.
4: And it won't do you a bit of harm to go out once in a while, too, the movies in town or maybe New York for the theater. No, no, but
2: no. Ellen. Don't you dare suggest that again. You must never suggest that again, do you hear? But
4: why? Why must you stay here locked up in this house?
2: Because... Because ever since my husband disappeared, I vowed... Oh, what the use you she wouldn't understand... I
4: think
2: I would. Oh, no, no. You're young and handsome and charming, and there's no use troubling you with all that. There. Yeah. I feel ever so much better already. No, dear Leslie, you don't know what you've done for me. Really? It was horrible living here with just Miss Morrow until you were sweet enough to come and stay with a poor, lonely old lady I know it must be trying for you. It's
4: really lots of fun. I'm having a fine time. And that talk of your being an old lady is just nonsense. Why, if Uncle Gregory were here and could see you now, he'd fall in love and marry you all over again.
2: Why do you say that?
4: Just to make you laugh.
2: Oh. (laughs) Oh, You're very flattering. (laughs) (laughs) See, you're laughing. That's right. Leslie, you won't go away ever Will you?
4: What an idea.
2: You're my only living relative. I'll remember your kindness when I'm gone. You'll be wealthy, very wealthy.
4: Here, now what kind of talk is this when you're gone indeed? Why, we're going to have grand times here forever and ever. Now you go to bed and sleep away all that foolishness. And here's a
3: kiss for a pleasant dream. Mm.
2: (laughs) Oh, you silly, silly boy. <laughs> say goodnight to Miss Marlowe for me. I'm too tired, to wait.
4: Good night. Barbara?
2: Come in. Barbara. Don't tell me about it. Don't say anything. Just just kiss me and hold me
6: tight. Oh, dearest.
2: Oh.
7: oh, Leslie.
2: I could hardly bring myself to come back here tonight. She's so hateful and cruel. Barbara, don't. She may hear you. I'm sorry, but how much more of this do you think I can stand? This house will drive me as mad as she is. Please, dearest. All right, all
4: right. It all seems
2: so senseless. You say you love me, and yet... You know I
4: haven't any money, but I'll get some. I'll get a great deal, and as soon as I do... What I
2: want to know is when. When?
4: Tonight. Perhaps.
2: The only one.
3: What is it? It's Gregory. Oh, no, eh?
2: I know it. That's the way he used to walk around the house, chattering with his kids. No, that's not. But I know, I heard it before, while I was alone. He's come back somehow. Oh, Leslie, he's come back. Then
3: why should he do this? If it's
4: Uncle Gregory come back, why, he'd come right in the front door.
2: But don't you see, he can't. He's been dead these five years. You told me he disappeared. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I didn't want to shock you. I, oh, Leslie, how much can I trust you?
3: Trust me?
4: Why, Auntie, you know there isn't anything I wouldn't do for you.
2: Anna, listen. Where's it coming from? The living room. Give me my room. Here. Yeah.
4: But I don't see why you must get out of bed. I
2: must know about this. I can't leave this house, Leslie, and if he's here... Why
4: can't you leave it? You can sell it and go away.
2: You don't understand. Yes, the living room. We're going in there. I'm not afraid to face anything if you're with me. Now, come.
4: Very well. Do you
2: see anything?
4: There's nothing in the corridor.
2: But I can hear it. It's closer.
4: There's the living room. Not a soul there.
2: So
4: why'd you pick up that fireplace iron?
2: You'll know in a moment. Can you move the piano?
4: These old uprights are pretty heavy, but I think I can do it. There.
2: Get that little shovel from the fireplace.
4: Hurry! I say I don't understand. What are you doing there? What is it? Some kind of secret trapdoor on the floor you're trying to move with that iron? Yes. It's
2: the floor. Oh,
4: oh here, let me do it.
2: All right. <laughs>
4: I think I have enough. There's only what dirt under there.
2: Use the shovel. Very well. well Leslie, I don't know. Listen, the captain is stopped. Yes. Why?
4: Perhaps this is why. Perhaps he wanted me to find his body.
2: He's still there
4: look. Gregory! So that's why you never left this house, isn't it? He was lying here all this time. Lying here where you buried him. After you murdered him. Isn't that so?
1: <laughs> now, who is bleeding last? Oh, Who yeah. is? Auntie Ellen, the old darling, just had her nephew dig up her husband from under the floor. If you think she kept him there to make him stay home night, nice, you're wrong. He'd been murdered. And Auntie Ellen's nephew just accused her of killing him.
2: Yes. Yes, I killed him. Leslie, you mustn't tell anybody. I know you won't tell. Oh, it's been horrible living all these years with him right in the same house. I could never leave someone like science, you see. And every time I heard a noise in the house, oh, it was frightful. I should think so. That's why I sent for you. I couldn't bear it alone. Now you know my secret, and you will help me. Will I? Of course, dear Leslie. I know you will, and... won't you? Oh, it's Miss Morrow. Don't get her clean. quite
4: all right, Auntie Ellen. Come in,
2: Barbara. No, no, you can't. I've heard everything, Mrs. Richards. And I know everything. You know? You and Leslie. It was you who made those noises, that capping. It didn't start until after you came. Yes, I do. You horrid boy. Why did you? How could you do this to me after everything I've done for you? I I thought you loved me. I thought...
4: Sit down. No, I
2: I will not... uh...
4: Really? Sit down, I said. Barbara, get a checkbook.
2: Okay. What are you going to do?
4: Dear Andrea, you are going to write a check for fifty thousand dollars. For you? For me.
2: The book and the pen. I see it all now. What a fool I've been, taking the two of you into my home, and now you do this to me just to get my money. You killed him for that money. You have no right to talk. You made him do this. Leslie's a good boy. You found out about this and you put him up to it. I'm going to call the police. You're a little thief. You
4: are a murderer, Auntie Ellen. You won't call any police. In fact, you'll tell no one. And you'll write that check
2: now. Mm-hmm. Leslie. Yes. You're quite right. I'm not in a very good position, am I? you must hurt me deeply, Leslie. After I trusted you. After I... Leslie. What
3: happened to her? What's the matter?
4: I don't know. She just stood up and collapsed. Annie. Annie Ellen. Is she dead? Well, she's still breathing. But she's paralyzed. Give us a boy, Barbara, call her doctor. I'll fix that floor and push the piano back. You think it's safe? Absolutely. She will say a word if she can tell And if she does tell about the check, who will believe her? It'll be our word against the murderers. Come on, Barbara. We've got to get her well enough to write that check. <laughs> Mrs. Richards, if you can understand what I'm saying, blink your eyes. Ah, thank you. Well, Dr. Walsh? Well, I can't give you a final opinion yet, young man. She seems to know what we're saying.
2: Was it a stroke?
4: Possibly. We won't know until I can take some x-rays. It may be simple hysterical paralysis. Doctor, uh, I'd, I'd like to know it. If there's any danger. Danger? Mm -hmm. Yes and no. Patients have sometimes lived for years after a stroke. I'm going to call in a specialist for consultation. And uh, I'll be back in the morning with X-ray equipment. Uh, Meanwhile, don't move her from that chair. Yes, Dr. Walsh. It was very kind of you to come so quickly. Mrs. Richards is an old friend of mine. Call me at once if she seems to get worse. I certainly will. Good night. Good night. Leslie. Oh, rotten luck, isn't it? Just when we had... Look. She seems to be smiling.
2: Be careful. She can understand everything you say.
4: I know. And let her. Let her. You won't get away with it, Auntie. We still have you, you know. The will. You forgot about that will. You can't make a new one now. You can't write. And we know your secret. Yes, Auntie, we still have you.
2: No, Leslie. She has us.
4: What are you talking about? You heard
2: what the doctor said. It may be years. We
4: can wait. Can
2: we? Wait here, taking care of her, waiting for her to die? Can you imagine what that'll be like? Well, maybe you can wait. I can't. Barbara, you must What's the use, Leslie? You waited all this time, and you see what happened. We're worse off than we were before. Now, Barbara,
4: you mustn't lose your head. There may be something we can do.
2: What can we do? We can... Yes, Leslie?
4: She got away with it. Why can't we?
2: Murder.
4: Yes. I've even thought of a plan. Have you? We can both be away, far away from here in South America, perhaps, when this house can catch fire. An invalid unable to move, it can be arranged, you know. Yes.
2: Yes, it can be arranged. But are you sure of this will?
4: Certainly. She told me about it a dozen times. Have you seen it? No, but I know. You
2: can't believe what she tells you. You better look. We must be sure of all this.
4: You're quite right. I'm almost certain the will is in her room. I'll find it. You'll see that I'm right.
2: you say something, Mrs. Richards? I thought I heard you say something. Why are you looking at me that way? Mrs. Richards, I'm not afraid. I don't care if you heard everything. I'm not afraid of you anymore. You and your orders... Nothing I did was ever good enough for you, was it? Always telling me I was too common, too cheap for you. Well, I found out what you were tonight. Stop your staring at me. You want to know something, Mrs. Richards? He didn't figure this out himself. I was the one who was smart enough for that. I kept wondering why you never left this house. Why your husband disappeared. And I told Leslie, "You stop you're staring at me." Barbara,
4: what is it? I heard you scream.
2: Huh? I, I, it's nothing. Nothing at all. Have you found it? No,
4: not yet. But it's around somewhere. I'm sure of it. Do you want it?
2: No, no.
4: I'll find it in a minute. I'm sure.
2: This is Richard, the chair. The chair is moved. You moved it while my back was turned while I was talking to Leslie, didn't you? Didn't you? The andirons in the fireplace. There, a minute ago. Did you take it? Did you? you not it ri- No! Don't. Don't! Barbara! Barbara, I found it. She left me everything. Barbara, what happened
3: to
4: it? Andy, Ellen, where
2: are you? I'm standing behind you, Leslie. What? Don't move. But Barbara... She's dead. I killed her. I have the end iron here in my hand. Don't move.
4: Annie, now please. Stay
2: on your knees. Just where you are.
4: Very well. If
2: you wish. But... You were very anxious to find out what happened to my husband. Now you shall know Everything. In fact, you shall know precisely because the same thing is going to happen to you. You see, I use this very same instrument, this poker. You and she will share his grave.
4: It's it's all some silly joking. You you can't do this to me. You know that I love you. Don't move. Don't you see, Annie? take, put that thing down. You don't know what you're doing. Don't, don't. Oh! Oh!
2: I'm sorry to disturb you, Dr. Walsh. This is Ellen Richards.
4: Ellen Richards?
2: <laughs> I knew you'd be surprised, but I fully recovered. You were quite right when you thought it was hysterical paralysis.
4: Well, I thought so all along, but uh, naturally I wouldn't venture an opinion without an expert. But uh, why did it happen?
2: Oh, it was a silly thing, I suppose, but my nephew Leslie told me he was going to marry Miss Morrow. In fact, they planned to elope.
4: And uh, that was the shock that brought it on? Yes, Dr.
2: Walsh. I I suppose I let myself care for my nephew more than I should.
3: Yes, yes, I understand.
2: But I'm quite over it now. I sent them on with my blessing. They drove into New York and they're sailing for South America in a few days. So you needn't come tomorrow evening.
4: All right, Ellen. But your nerves must be in bad shape. You better let me give you a checkup.
2: Very well, Doctor. I'll come to your house the day after tomorrow. Good night.
4: Good night.
1: Well, there,
4: Ellen. That completes my checkup.
2: And what's the verdict?
4: (laughs) You've got a constitution like iron. (laughs) You'll live to at least 110. Oh, but, Ellen, you have to get out of your house.
2: No, now, don't go into that again, Dr. Walsh. When Gregory disappeared, I made up my mind I would never leave. And I mean to stick to
4: that vow. That's not what I meant, Ellen. Haven't you heard the news? What news? The new superhighway. It's going to be built right through your property. Uh, Your house is dead center of the roadway. They'll have to rip it down.
2: What? Well, they can't do it. I won't let them. Well, there's
4: no reason to be alarmed. You'll realize a handsome profit for your property.
2: When will these people be around? When are they coming?
4: Well, the surveyors are in the neighborhood now. They may be calling at your house today to examine the property and make an estimate of its value.
2: Today? Well, I I, I must get back to the house immediately. I I don't want them to come when I'm not there. Oh,
4: excuse me. Hello? Yes? Yes, one moment. It's for you, Ellen. For me? Who is it? Why... I believe the man said the state police. But what could they possibly want with you, Ellen?
1: Auntie Ellen's relatives and friends are now all stoned cold dead in the parlor. She bashs nobody's head but her husband's, her nephew's, and his girlfriend. <laughs> And we leave this electric personality while she's on her way to becoming a short (laughs) circuit. Of course, we don't want to alarm you, but uh, crimes like these don't happen except to people like you and you. But not you.
3: Well,
1: friends, it's time once again to close that creaking door. Until next week at this same time, when we'll be back with a little hunk of horror. (laughs) You'll be sure to listen, won't you? Until next week, then. Good night. Pleasant dreams. Mm.
4: has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio
1: and Television Service.
5: And now, here's Act One of The Old Ones Are Hard to Kill. It begins with a stethoscope, a blood pressure reading, an electrocardiogram, and an altogether satisfying report on the health of Mrs. Ada Canby. Hmm.
6: Well, can't see a thing to complain about, Ada. That little congestion you had last time is all cleared up. All in all, I'd say you're doing fine.
8: For a woman my age, you mean? Huh? <laughs>
6: <laughs> the older the chicken, the tougher it is to kill. <laughs> That's what my grandmother used to tell me, and she lived to be 98. <laughs> Speaking of relatives, you, uh, see much of Walter.
8: My grandson? Oh, the usual once-a-year visit, and he always comes up with the same complaint. What's that? That I shouldn't be living all alone.
6: Oh, that big house of yours must get pretty lonely sometimes.
8: Well, the truth is, Dr. George, I'm not alone there. Mm-hmm. You're not? I decided to take in the border last month. Really? I haven't written Walter about it. Uh, I'm sure he'd object to my taking in a stranger, but... There's really nothing wrong with Mr. Paulson, except his health, maybe.
6: His uh, health? What's wrong with him?
8: Oh, the poor man's had a terrible cold for the past two weeks. Well, let me do a thing for him, though.
6: Well, now, where did you meet this, Mr. Paulson? Well, he
8: answered to ad I ran. He's just back from South America. Been living in Brazil for years. He's a very nice gentleman, really. He keeps himself and tends his birds... He has the loveliest blue parakeets. You can hear them chirping all over the house. It's the friendliest song.
6: Well, I uh, I don't see anything wrong with what you're doing, Ada. Just make sure you don't go and catch the man's cold.
8: Well, there's not much chance of that. Poor man hardly ever leaves his room. Well, how much do I owe you?
6: I'll send you the bill.
8: I'm sure you'll forget all about it. <laughs> Promise me you'll send it. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Mr. Paulson, are you all right? Yes, Mrs. Cannes, I'm all right. That cough sounds worse than ever to me. Why don't you let me fix you a little hot milk and honey? No, thank you,
9: Mrs. Canby.
8: Thanks very much. I'm going to try to get some sleep. Well, all right, if you say so. I guess it's time I was in bed myself. Oh, my, listen to that poor man. I wonder if he keeps his birds awake, too. Mrs. Canby, please, please. For heaven's sake, is, is he calling me? Mrs. Canby! He is calling me. I'm, I'm coming, Mr. Paulson. Oh, no. Where are those darn slippers? I'll be right there. What, what, what is it, Mr. Paulson? What's the matter? Mrs. can Mr. Paulson, just look at you. Why didn't you tell me you were so sick? I would have called a doctor. No, no, too late now. Too late. I, I know a very good doctor. I uh, saw so him only this afternoon. Uh, I'll go and call him right no, now. No, please, listen to me. But well, I've got to get help for you, Mr. Paulson. dying. I'm dying. Confession. Well, do you want to preach? Is, is that what you want? Richardson murdered
9: ten years ago. What? Murder. I did it. I
8: killed him for money. I was paid. Did you hear me? Oh, Lord. Mr. Paulson, do you know what you're saying? Do you understand me? Lindell is innocent. I killed Richardson, oh. not Lindell. Well, let, let me get help. You can tell them yourself, Mr. Paulson, and the police, and the doctors. You tell them, please. Tell them to free
9: Lindell. He's innocent. Tell them I'm the one who killed Richardson ten years ago.
8: Well, I don't know anything about such things, and I don't want I to. did
3: it. I killed Richardson. I, I did
8: no, it. No, I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't. Please don't tell <laughs> me. Please. Mr. Paulson, I... I
3: Mr. Paulson Oh, dear God I, I think he's
8: gone Listen to those poor little birdies I suppose they miss poor Mr. Paulson I'll lay them in his room Well, let's see about this letter now Dear Walter, I hope you don't mind my turning to you for advice. But I really don't know what to do. It's been three days since my boarder, Mr. Paulson, passed away, and I still haven't told the police what the man said to me. I just can't bring myself to get mixed up in anything like this. Dear, what's the use of writing, Walter? You'll probably think I've dreamed it all up. No, I'll just forget it. Only how do you forget such a thing? Those names, I keep hearing them. Richardson, Lindell. Lindell is innocent. Oh, dear God. What if it's all true? If Mr. Paulson actually murdered this Richardson and Lindell is innocent? Only, well, who are they? I wonder if... uh, Telephone book. Well, well, why not? Let's
3: see,
8: Richardson, See there, Yes, yes, here it is. Oh Lord, this doesn't them. Well, I'll try Lindell. That wouldn't be as common. I don't suppose. Yes, yes, here it is. There's only about half a dozen. Then the oh oh my heavens, Lindell and Richardson. Both names together, Lindell and Richardson Investments, 9 Concourse, 4153132. I wonder if. Well, maybe. Maybe it's the only way to be sure. Uh, Mr. Lindell? He isn't? Well, then what about Mr. Richardson? Oh, I see. Well, is there someone there I can speak to? Yes, yes, please. Thank you.
5: Hello. This is Mr. Chilton. May I be of service?
8: Well, maybe you can. I, I want to know about your Mr. Richardson. Uh, about when he died. I think I did business with him once, a, a long time ago. Well, it's ten
9: years, madam, just about. But uh, if you're interested in investment advice.
8: Well, I'll think about it. Thank you very much. <laughs> ten years. Well, it could be a coincidence. I guess it all depends on how he died. <laughs>
9: Here, have a seat. Thank you. Well, now, how can we be of help to you?
8: I... I didn't come here to get help, Mr. Shelton. I came to help you, as a matter of fact, or rather, somebody you know. Who would that be? Uh, Mr. John Lindell, the man who was supposed to have murdered Mr. Richardson. <laughs>
9: I'm afraid I'm not following you.
8: Well, it took me all week to find out what happened to those two men. And finally, I found the story in the old newspaper room down at the library about Mr. Lindell being indicted for killing his partner. But I'm I'm sure you know the whole story a lot better than I do. Well, of course I know
9: the story, but (laughs) that was quite a long time ago, Mrs. Canby. Ten years
8: doesn't seem so long when you're my age. Anyway, the point is that I can help your Mr. Lindell, only I can't do it alone.
9: Did you know John Lindell?
8: No, no, I didn't. Nor Mr. Richardson, for that matter. The man I knew was named Paulson. Who? I ran into a room to Mr. Paulson, and he died about eight days ago of pneumonia. I was there when it happened.
9: Well, that's unfortunate, but... Uh... but
8: before he died, Mr. Paulson told me something about Mr. Richardson's murder. He said Mr. Lindell hadn't been responsible. That he, Mr. Poulsen, had committed it. For money.
9: Oh, Mrs.
8: Canby, listen to me. It was this man, Lindell, that bothered him. The fact that he was in prison for something he didn't do. I thought I should tell you this, Mr. Chelton, because you knew both of these gentlemen. It said so in the newspaper.
9: Mrs. Canby, my, my dear woman... What? (laughs) I don't know what silly story you heard, but it's completely wrong. There wasn't any question about what happened. This border of yours, whatever his name is, merely had an obsession.
8: Well, just the same, I thought you could follow through on this business. Yeah. Tell the police, because if it is true... Mr. Lindell should be freed. On
9: evidence like that?
8: Well, I don't know anything about evidence. I'm just telling you what I heard. Oh, well, never mind. I suppose I should have told the police myself. Wait,
9: wait, Mrs. be. Uh, let me put your mind at rest. John Lindell is no longer in prison. He is He's dead, Mrs. Canby. He's been dead for the last three years. Oh. He wasn't a young man when all this happened, when he accused his partner, Fred Richardson, of defrauding him and shot him dead.
8: He died? In prison?
9: Even if all you say is true, that this man was Richardson's murderer, you can't help John Lindell any longer. He's beyond that.
8: But his name, don't you want to clear his name?
9: Have you any proof? Any living witness? just myself. Forget it, Mrs. Canby. That's my advice to you. The old wound is healed. Don't
8: reopen it. Oh, well, it troubles me so. I haven't thought of anything else since it happened. Perhaps if I saw a minister, if I had some advice from a man of God... Then...
3: Mrs. Canby,
9: now you said something.
8: Now you've shown me the way... That's
9: where our answer lies, dear woman, in prayer. Mm -hmm. In the forgiveness of our dear Lord. Will you pray with me, Mrs. Canby?
3: Pray? Here? Why
9: not? God is everywhere. Please, join me. (laughs) Dear Lord, tell us what to do. Give us your divine guidance. Show us the path to righteousness. Mr. Shelton. Help us, O Lord. Help us to understand. Teach us to forgive the sins of others and to forget them. To forget. I feel much better now, Mr. Canby. Do you? I'm not sure. Let's turn this matter over to God, Miss Canby. Not to the police, but to the Lord. It's in his hands now. Don't you agree?
8: Well, in a way, that's true. Since they're dead now... All of them.
6: Yes? Uh, Mrs. Candy? Yes? My name's Stuart Winfield, Mrs. Candy. Mm -hmm. I understand you have a room for rent? Yes, 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 I do. Well, I'm new in town, just arrived from Philadelphia. I've been staying at a hotel, but I'd like something
8: homier. Well, the room I have is thirty-five dollars a week. I can't offer you any meals, but you can use the kitchen all you want. Well, that sounds good to me. Would
6: uh, Would you like to see the room? Yes, ma'am, I sure would.
8: Well, come on in, ma'am.
6: Thank
3: you.
8: By the way, how did you know I had a room for rent? Hmm? I was going to place an ad this weekend. Oh, I
6: I I guess someone at the hotel mentioned it. I. I forget just who. Say, this is a real fine old house, Mrs. Canby. Mm -hmm. I can see that I'm going to
5: like this place
2: just
6: fine.
5: And so Mrs. Canby has a new boarder. He's a very personable young man with a great deal more charm than old Mr. Paulson had. Perhaps in a little while, Mrs. Canby will be able to forget her former boarder and the shocking confession he made on his deathbed. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. I want that. Stu Winfield took no time at all to make himself at home in Ada Canby's big old house. He loved everything about his room. The fine old four-poster bed. The crazy quilt that Ada herself had sewn up 40 years ago. The lace curtains on the window. He even loved Mr. Paulson's blue parakeets. But what he really seemed to like best was Mrs. Canby herself. Just
8: take me two minutes to get these... Clean sheets on the bed. Mr. Here, let me give you a hand. No, no, no! I can manage. I've been making this bed for almost fifty years. Fifty? <laughs>
6: you've lived in this house that long? Moved
8: huh? in here when I got married back in nineteen nineteen. My husband David bought it for us. Our only son Ralph was born in it.
6: And you've lost them both?
8: Yes, yeah, they're both dead. But I haven't lost them.
6: Oh yes, yes, I understand, Mrs. Canby. I guess I feel that way about my mom.
8: Your mother's
6: dead? Yes, she died when I was two. Well.
8: Mr. Winfield, are you sure you want these birds in your room? Hmm? I could take them to the parlor if you want. No, no, I think they're great. I I think everything's
6: great about this house. Uh, But there is something you can do for me. What's that? Would you mind not calling me Mr. Winfield? Oh? Uh, That's what they call my father. My name's Stuart.
8: Well, well, all right. Stuart? Dear Walter, I think it's about time I told you that I have a boarder in the house. Mr. Winfield is the nicest young man you could want to meet. He's a great deal friendlier than my first gentleman, Mr. Paulson. And he seems to like nothing better than to sit around evenings and talk. We talk about his home and his parents and his plans for the future. I think the poor boy misses his home and family, and I'm sort of a substitute for all that.
6: No, it isn't really fair, Mrs. Canby. You said I had kitchen privileges, but that doesn't mean you have to cook for me. It's a pleasure, Stuart.
8: I haven't had anyone to cook for in years. You're
6: kidding. You mean to say you cook this good without practice? Oh, you're just being nice. I'm sure that stew is just plain ordinary. It's terrific. No kidding. It, It tastes like, well, it... It tastes like home, if you know what I mean. Well,
8: it depends on whose home you mean.
6: <laughs> well, my mom cooks do's like this. That's what I meant. Your mom? Mm. Well But... She died when you were only two. Oh, well, I guess I I didn't mean my mom exactly. I I was thinking of my Aunt Martha. Uh, I mean, she's the one who sort of took over the cooking and stuff after my mother died. And my father's sister, you know? I see.
8: Well, that was lucky that you had someone to take her place.
6: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's... Oh, Excuse me.
8: My, Stuart, yeah. you're not coming down with anything, are <laughs> you?
6: No, no, I'm fine. Just a little case of the
8: sniffle. Listen, if your room isn't warm enough, I have an extra
6: bottle. No, no, the room's just fine. Don't
8: worry about it. Well, you'll be sure now. I know I felt a little guilty about poor Mr. Paulson when he got sick. Uh, maybe I didn't take good enough care of him.
6: Uh, Paulson? Mm-hmm. Was that your former boarder, the, uh, the bird lover? Yes,
8: yes, that was his name, the poor man. Well, tell me about him. Well, I don't really know that much about him. He lived here less than two months. What sort of a guy was he? Well, very quiet. He kept to himself. Did you say he was from South America? I don't remember if I did or not. Well, you must have said it. Yes, of course. He was American, but he'd been living in Brazil. I don't know why exactly. Although, come to think of it, maybe I do. What do you mean? Well, it, it just occurred to me that Brazil might be just a place for someone who came into a lot of money and, and wanted to leave the country.
6: I don't understand. <coughs> oh, my. Uh.
8: I really think you are getting a cold, Stuart. I'm getting that blanket out this minute. Now, wait, Mrs. Canby. I'd rather hear well, about... Never mind. I don't want to take any chances. I'll be right back. Yes, Mrs. Canby.
6: Don't
8: take any chance. Stuart? Yes? Come in. I brought you a tray, Stuart. Oh.
6: No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> you shouldn't have gone to all that trouble, Mrs. Candy.
8: wasn't he's been a trouble. Besides, you've got to have some supper feed it cold
6: and start a fever. I mean, I was going to come out to the kitchen and and get myself a sandwich or something. You're going to have to bring it to me. Oh, look at that. Is that roast chicken? Well,
8: that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> I hope it tastes all right.
6: The noodle soup with dumplings. Mrs. Candy, you're spoiling me rotten. Do you know that? Yeah, I just
8: thought it would be a good idea if you stayed in bed and took it easy. You weren't planning
6: to go out tonight, were you? No, no, I was just going to stay in and read for a while. <coughs> Maybe watch television. Oh, that's good. Here, I'll just set this tray down. <laughs> oh, the service here is just too good. Oh, we, <laughs> we never uh, never finished our talk the other day about that border of yours, uh, Mr. Paulson. Well,
8: there's not much to say about him, really. Well, you
6: said something about his living in South America. (laughs) You said you thought you understood why he was living there. sounded real interesting.
8: Well, the truth is, Stuart, there is something to tell about Mr. Paulson. Maybe uh, maybe you can help me feel better about it all. About what? I'm not going to tell you if you don't eat.
6: (laughs) All right, Mrs. Canby, I'll eat.
8: Well... It happened just about three weeks ago.
3: <laughs>
6: you know something, Mrs. Candy, that's about the best roast chicken I've had in years.
8: I'm sure it spoiled your appetite with all my chaff.
6: No, no, that was a really interesting story.
8: But what do you think of it all, Stuart? Mm-hmm. Um, No, the killer is the man who hired Mr. Paulson. Don't you see? Is it right that he should get away with it? Now, wait a minute.
6: (laughs) You're jumping to conclusions. No,
8: I'm not. Mr. Paulson told me that he was hired to do this thing.
6: Well, maybe he was hired by Lindell. Maybe Lindell hired him and then Paulson got cold feet and Lindell did the shooting himself.
8: No, I'm sure that isn't true. You see, I read the newspaper article all about it.
6: Well, you you really were thorough about this, weren't you, Mrs. Candy?
8: <laughs> you poor man, that coal's gone to your chest now, hasn't it?
6: No, I'm all, I'm all right. Stop, stop worrying about me. Let's talk about this this other problem of yours.
8: Well, maybe I'm making it more of a problem than it should be. Maybe if I just told the police everything, I could forget it once and for all.
6: No, I. Uh... I really couldn't advise that, Mrs. Candy.
8: Well, it said in the newspaper story that the two men were partners in that investment firm. And Mr. Lindell thought that his partner, Richardson, was cheating, taking money out of the firm. And that's why he's supposed to have shot him. Wasn't there a witness to the shooting? Why, yes, I think there was. Come to think of it, it was Mr. Shelton.
6: That's right, that's right. Well, doesn't that that wrap it up for you?
8: Well, it would if it wasn't for Mr.
6: Potson. Listen, Mrs. Candy, you know how much I like you. In just a few days, you're more like family to me than my Aunt Martha ever was. Well, it's nice of you to say, Stuart. And that's why I want you to listen to me about this. That's why I want you to forget about this whole foolish thing. And
3: <laughs>
8: listen to me. You. you sound awful, Stuart. You're there I'm all right. No, you're not all right. I'm going to get you some cough medicine right this
3: minute. <laughs>
6: It's me, Winfield. Well, what's happening? I think i better stick around for a few more days, Mr. Chilton. The old lady's beginning to get fidgety, if, if you know what I mean.
5: Well, something tells me that Stuart Winfield isn't such a nice young man after all. Could it be that he wasn't telling Mrs. Canby the truth about his dear mother and his Aunt Martha? Could he have not told her the truth about his plans for the future? Of course, the real issue is, what sort of plan does he have for Ada Canby's future? I'll be back shortly with Act Three, if you want She isn't sleeping well tonight. But of course, Mrs. Canby has good reasons for insomnia. Her thoughts are whirling. Her boarder steward was right. She doesn't want the bother of going to the police. And she firmly believes in the old adage, if you don't trouble trouble, trouble won't trouble you. But still... Oh, my
8: are going to get to sleep tonight. Poor Stuart. He's still coughing. I'm sure that room is just too drowsy. I never should have let any boarders in until I got the windows fixed. Oh dear, that poor boy. I'll never forget the terrible night Mr. Paulson was coughing, Sebastian. And the way he looked, all gray and shrunken. If only I knew he was so sick. No. If only he'd never even come to this house. Mrs. Canby, I killed Richardson. I did it. I ever forget the sound of that man's voice. Minnel is innocent. Minnel is innocent. That poor man. All the years he spent in jail for something he didn't do. Let sleeping dogs
3: lie, Mrs.
8: Candy. My Aunt Martha always said, let sleeping dogs lie. If oh, only I could get some sleep. he talked about God praying at his desk. Of course, God is everywhere but his desk. I killed Richardson. I
3: murdered him for money. I was paid. I was paid. Paid? Paid.
8: Someone had to pay him. Mr. Paulson wasn't the only guilty one. Someone else was, too.
3: Shelton.
8: Shelton. What did that newspaper article say? The chief witness against Mr. Lindell was... Arnold Shelton. But how could he be a witness? To something that never happened. How could he be? I'll have to tell someone. I'll have to talk to someone. Yes, I'll tell Stuart about it. In the morning... Stuart, are you awake?
6: Yes, I'm up, Mrs. Canby. Come in.
8: Oh, no. Now, don't tell me I'm getting breakfast in bed, too. I know you had a terrible night last night, Stuart. You were coughing much worse than ever. I guess that medicine wasn't very good. Sorry I kept you awake, Mrs. Candy. No, that wasn't your fault. Something else kept me up. What was that? Oh, my mind, I guess. Maybe I should say my conscience. Oh, that sounds serious. But it is something serious, Stuart. I might have let a man get away with murder. No, it's even worse than that. He did something worse than
6: murder. You're talking about Paulson again?
8: (laughs) No, I'm talking about the man who hired Mr. Paulson. He didn't just have that man Richardson shot. He let an innocent person go to jail and die there. Now, that's like committing two murders, if you ask me. I have to tell you something that occurred to me last night.
6: Sure, go ahead. Well,
8: it's about Mr. Chelton. Mr. Arnold Chelton.
6: Yeah? Go on.
8: I'm listening. Stuart, I wonder if maybe the reason Mr. Chilton was so upset with me, the reason he didn't want me to go to the police, was because he was afraid... Explain what you mean. Well, what I mean is maybe Mr. Shelton had good reason, besides the one he told me. He was working for both Mr Richardson and Mr. Lindell at the time of the murder.
9: Well so what?
8: Well, he was also the chief witness at the trial. A witness for the prosecution. But he saw the
6: shooting, didn't he? But that's
8: just the point. He saw Mr. Lindell shoot Mr. Richardson. Well, that's not what you told me last time. I mean, that he was an eyewitness. No, that's right. He didn't actually see the shooting. He was miles away when it happened. I don't quite remember the details. There was something about a phone call, maybe? Yes. Yes, that's what it was. He claimed that Mr. Richardson was talking to him on the phone when Mr. Lindell showed up at his apartment. He said that Richardson cried out something about Lindell having a gun. And then he heard the shot. But how could that have happened if the gun was fired by Mr. Paulson?
6: If, Mrs. Canby,
8: that's the big little word,
6: isn't it? If...
3: But don't you
8: see what I'm saying, Stuart? Arnold Sheldon had the most to gain. Gain? From what? From both these men leaving the firm. That'd leave the whole thing him. All those customers, all the investments he handles, all the commissions, or whatever they call it. Are you accusing this guy Shelton of being the killer? Yes.
6: It's it's the only answer, Stuart. Well, look, if that was the case, the <gasps> police would have figured it out. But they
8: didn't. There was nothing in the stories I read that pointed any suspicion at Mr. Chelton. I don't suppose it even occurred to them. And now the company is all his.
6: You don't you don't call that evidence, do you?
8: Well then why did he let me go to the police? Why did he try so hard to talk me out? That man was praying to us. He was taking the name of the Lord. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Stuart. I'm so sorry. I won't bother you anymore. I know what I have to do anyway. Candy, I won't wait. be gone long, Stuart. No, no, wait. But the minute I get back, I'm going to call Dr. George and ask him to come over. You're sad. Never mind You're...
6: the doctor. You're calling the police.
8: No, no, I won't call them. You're right, I don't want them tracking mud in my parlor. I'm going down to the station house and talk to them. I'll get dressed now and go straight there. Please, please think about what you're doing. I'll tell them what I know, and they can do the rest. Now, you try to eat something, Stuart. Please. Mrs. Candy. Oh. <coughs> <coughs>
6: What is this, Winfield? I told you not to call me at the office. It's an emergency. You sound terrible.
3: What's the matter with you?
6: Oh, I'm sick. Only you're going to be a lot sicker.
3: What are you talking about?
6: The old lady. I can't stop her. She's decided to talk. What? She figured you... it out. Figured out exactly what you did, Sheldon, and how you did it. You fool. You've got to
3: stop her. Do you hear me?
6: That wasn't part of the deal, Sheldon. It's of the deal now. The price didn't include anything like that. The
3: price just
6: doubled.
9: Old ladies are always having accidents. Make her have one. Make her have
6: one now, Winfield. <laughs> All right. All right. She's going she's gonna to have a fall down the cellar steps. Right now. <laughs> I got to get my robe on and my I slip I've got to
8: hurry. Stuart, is that you?
6: Open up, Mrs. Plumby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
8: Stuart Winfield, what are you doing out of bed? Now, you'll go right back there this second.
6: I got I to talk to you, Mrs. Canby, before you go to the police.
8: Just listen to you. You're all winded. You can hardly talk, Stuart. Now, go back to bed before you catch pneumonia.
6: too don't go, Mrs. Canby. It would be better if you never went to the police. Better for you. Better for me. For you? I don't understand. Well, then I... I wouldn't have to hurt you, Mrs. Canby. <laughs> that's what I mean. I wouldn't have to do anything bad to you. Stuart, what in the world are you talking
8: about? Come on, old lady. Sure. You're
6: smart, all right. You really think things through. So now, think a little harder. You
8: knew? <laughs> Stuart, you knew about Mr. Paul? That's right. That's how you knew <clears throat> my room is so because uh, Mr. Shelton told you. Now
6: you're getting there, Mrs. Canby. That's where you rented it.
8: That's uh, why
3: you were sent here.
8: Just to
6: watch you, Mrs. Candy. Just to see oh, that you stayed just sensible. sensible. <laughs>
3: Mr. Children,
6: I was hoping you'd never change your mind about calling the police. No, I didn't want this part of it. This isn't the part I like. No, let me go. Just relax, Mrs. Oh, Candy. Me go. Just don't take it easy. God. Please, are light as the feather, Mrs. Candy. Didn't like my Aunt Martha would have been. If I, if I had an Aunt Martha. It, please, put me down. Please. <laughs> We've got a date now, Mrs. Candy. Let me go. Don't go. put up such a fight, Mrs. Candy. I'm sick, I remember? It's
3: it. No. Shut,
6: shut your eyes. Please. Shut your eyes and don't look down. Oh, God. Stuart. do, it. do, it. do it.
3: It's
6: just your eyes open. Oh. Hail all the oh. Oh. It's uh It's all right now. Uh, just be glad that it wasn't you at the bottom of those stairs. Where?
8: Really? Will he be all right, Dr.
6: George? Now, what do you want to worry about that man for? Truth is, his injuries don't amount to very much. A couple of broken ribs seem to be the worst of it. But he'll be a patient for some time before they can put him in prison where he belongs. Him and his uh, friend. What was that man's name again?
8: You mean Mr. (laughs) Chubb? Have they arrested
6: him? Yeah, yeah. That's what the police technically said. I
8: don't understand. Stuart's injuries aren't safe. It's
6: not the fall that made Winfield sick. His case was diagnosed as simple pneumonia at first. And then I remembered about your
8: first border. Nelson was a. No, of course. Yes, of course. But he had pneumonia, too. He died of it. Oh, is, is pneumonia contagious?
6: Yes, yes, it is, but. This disease was even more contagious. It's a pneumonia caused by a disease called psittacosis, better known as parrot fever. You get it from sick birds, like the parakeets in your spare room. Oh, no. Mr. Parson's bird. Sorry, Ada, but it had to be taken out and destroyed. Oh, what a shame. There's one reason I... I feel sorry for them. They saved your life. Made Mr. Winfield too weak even to throw a little old lady down a flight of steps. Uh, those poor little creatures. Yeah, but you can be grateful they didn't make you sick, too. Mm. Carrot fever is so contagious that no more than one person in a thousand could be exposed to it and escape infection. It was pretty darn close to a miracle
8: they They're hard to kill, Doctor. Remember? The old ones are hard to kill.
5: They say that people are living longer than ever before. And when we look at Ada Canby, we can understand why. She's a tough old lady. So tough she could withstand the threats of man, beasts, and birds let that be a warning to all those who think that our senior citizens are easy prey for crime. Watch out. They may turn the tables on you. Or the stairs. I'll be back shortly. We have one final comment for you. On behalf of Ada Canby and old people everywhere. There's a saying, there's no fool like an old fool. But it's also true that there's no wisdom and strength like old wisdom and strength there. Does that make you feel better about your next birthday? Our cast included Agnes Moorhead, Leon Janney, and Roger DeCoven. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Where are we? Nowhere. Perhaps you are nowhere, Mr. Peterson. Okay, tell me where
6: you are. I have faith. I believe Tom will be found, or he will find himself, and he will have an absolutely reasonable and rational explanation. I hope so.
8: Hedy. Oh, Hedy. Tom. Oh, Tom, darling. Tom, what happened to you? I was so scared. Oh, darling, you're all right.
9: Hedy, are you all right? Yes. I don't understand. I happened to tune in the news and there it was. Tom Parsons, accountant with offices in the Barstow Building, had disappeared under mysterious circumstances.
6: Oh, Tom, I was so worried.
9: Mr. Parsons was driving with his wife. He stepped out of the car to clean off the rear window and, Hedy. What did you tell them? I wasn't
5: in the car with you. I was at home. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.
10: of the United Nations, the Special Service Division presents one of America's top spine tinglers, a radio program dedicated to the mysterious, the unusual, and sometimes the supernatural. A program of suspense.
7: I've
11: been dialing Murray Hill 70093 now for the last three quarters of an hour, and the line is always busy. I don't see how it could be busy that long. Will you try it for me, please?
12: I'll be glad to try that number for you. One moment,
11: please. I don't see how it could be busy all this time. It's my husband's office. He's working late tonight, and I'm all alone here in the house. My health is very poor, and I've been feeling so
7: nervous all day.
11: Is Mr. Stevenson
3: there?
13: Hello. Hello. Oh, hello, George.
10: Yes, sir. This is George speaking.
11: Hello. Who's
10: this?
13: What number am I calling, please?
10: I'm here with our client now. He says the coast is clear for tonight.
13: Yes, sir. Where are you
10: now? In a
13: phone booth. Don't worry. Everything's
10: okay. Very well.
13: Now, you know the address?
10: At 11 o'clock, the private patrolman goes around to the bar on 2nd Avenue for a beer. Be sure that... All the lights downstairs are on, eh? There should be only one light visible from the street. At 11.15, a plane crosses the bridge. It makes a noise in case her window is open and she should scream.
7: Oh, hello. <laughs> what number is this,
13: please?
10: Okay. I understand. Now, make it quick. As little blood as possible, eh? Our client does not wish to make her suffer long. Will a knife be okay, sir? Well, yeah, and knife will be Okay. And, uh, do you remember the other details?
13: Yeah, yeah, I know. Remove the rings and bracelets and the jewelry in the bureau drawer.
10: That's right. Our client wishes it to look like simple robbery. No, don't worry.
13: Everything is going to be okay.
10: All right, then. Be sure to... Oh!
13: Oh!
7: I... Oh, how awful! How unspeakably awful! Oh!
12: your call, please. Operator, I, I, I've I just been cut off. I'm sorry. What number were you calling?
11: Why, it, it was supposed to be Murray Hill 70093, but it wasn't. Some wires must have got crossed. I was cut into a wrong number, and I've I, I, I just heard the most dreadful thing, something about a murder. And, uh, operator, you'll simply have to retrace that call at once. I beg your pardon. May I help you? Oh, I, I know it was a wrong number, and I had no business listening, but... These two men, they were cold-blooded fiends, and they were going to murder somebody. Some poor, innocent woman who was all alone in a house near a bridge. And we've got to stop them.
12: We've got what to... What number were you calling,
11: please? Well, that doesn't matter. This was a wrong number, and you dialed it for me. And we've got to find out what it was immediately.
12: What number did you call?
11: Oh, why are you so stupid? What time is it? Do you mean to tell me you can't find out what that number was just now? I'll connect you with the chief operator. Oh, I think it's perfectly shameful. Now, look, look, it was obviously a case of some little slip of the finger. I, I told you to try Murray Hill 70093 for me. You dialed it, but your finger must have slipped, and I was connected with some other number. A- and I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. Now, I simply failed to see why you couldn't make that same mistake again on, on purpose, why you couldn't try to dial Murray Hill 70093 in the same sort of careless way.
12: Murray Hill 70093. I will try to get it for you.
9: Thank you. <sighs> I'm
12: sorry, Murray Hill 70093 is busy
11: Operator, operator, operator uh, Operator, will you answer me? Your call, please Well, you didn't try to get that wrong number at all I asked you explicitly and all you did was dial correctly I'm sorry uh, what number are you calling? Oh, can't you for once forget what number I'm calling and do something for me? Now, I want to trace that call. It's my civic duty. It's your civic duty to trace that call and apprehend those dangerous killers. And if you won't...
12: I will connect you with the chief operator. Please.
7: Oh.
12: Oh. What's in the answer? This is the chief operator.
7: Oh, uh, chief
11: operator. I want you to trace a call, a, a telephone call immediately. I don't know where it came from or who was making it, but it's absolutely necessary that it be tracked down because it was about a murder that someone's planning. A a terrible, cold-blooded murder of a poor, innocent woman. Tonight, at 11.15. I see. Well, can you trace it for me? Can you track down those men? I'm
12: not certain. It depends. Depends on what? It depends on whether the call is still going on. If it's a live call, we can trace (laughs) it on the equipment. If it's been disconnected, we can't. disconnect. If the parties have stopped talking to each other. Oh, but but of
11: course they must have stopped talking to each other by now. That was at least five minutes ago, and they didn't sound like the type who would make a long call.
12: Well, I can try tracing it. May I have your name, please?
11: Mrs. Stevenson. Mrs. Elbert Stevenson.
12: Now, but but listen... And your telephone number, please. Oh, Plaza
11: 42295. But if you go on wasting all this time...
12: Why do you want the call traced, please? Why? Well...
11: Oh, no reason. No reason. I I mean, I, I merely felt very strongly that something ought to be done about it. These these men sounded like killers. They're they're dangerous. They're going to murder this woman at 11.15 tonight, and I thought the police ought to know. Have you
12: reported this to, to the police?
11: Well, no, no, not yet.
12: You want this call check purely as a private individual? Yes, yes, but meanwhile... I'm sorry, Mrs. Stevens. But I'm afraid we couldn't make this check for you and trace the call just in your say so as a private individual. Well, I... we'd have to do something more official. Oh, for heaven's sake.
11: You mean to tell me I can't report that there's going to be a murder without getting tied up in all this red tape? Why, it's perfectly idiotic. Well, all right, all right. I'll call the police.
12: Thank you. I'm sure that would be the best way to Oh, it's ridiculous.
7: That's perfectly ridiculous. All oh, this Oh,
12: oh your call, please. Uh, the, the police department. Get me the police department, please. Uh, thank you. Bringing the police department. Oh,
13: Station, Precinct 43, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police
11: Department, uh, this is Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Elbert Smythe Stevenson of 53 North Sutton Place. I'm calling up to report a murder. I I mean, the murder hasn't been committed yet, but I, I, I just overheard plans for it over the telephone, over a wrong number that the operator gave me. I've been trying to trace down the call myself, but everybody is so stupid, and I, I guess in the end you're the only people who could do anything.
13: Yes, ma'am.
11: Well, it, it was a perfectly definite murder. I, I heard their plans distinctly. Uh, uh, two men were talking, and they were going to murder some woman at 11.15 tonight. She lived in a house near a bridge. Are you listening to me? Uh,
7: uh, uh, yes, ma'am.
11: And there was a private patrolman on the street. He was going to go around for a beer on 2nd Avenue... And 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 there was some third man, a, a client who was uh, paying to have this poor woman murdered. They were going to take her rings and bracelets and and, and use a knife. Well, it's it's unnerved me dreadfully, and I'm not well. It's, I see,
7: and yeah. I...
13: When was all this, ma'am?
11: Well, about eight minutes ago. Oh, I. Then you can do something you do understand.
13: Uh, what is your name, ma'am? Uh,
11: Mrs. Stevenson, Mrs. Elbert
13: Stevenson. And your address?
11: Uh, 53 North Sutton Place. 53 North Sutton Place. That's near a bridge. The, the Queensbury Bridge, you know. And, and, and we have a private patrolman on our street. And 2nd and Avenue... And what
13: was the number you were calling?
11: Murray Hill 70093. But that wasn't the number I overheard. I, I mean, Murray Hill 70093 is my husband's office. He's he's working late tonight, and I was trying to reach him to ask him to come home. I'm an invalid, you know, and uh, it's the maid's night off, and I hate to be alone, even though he says I'm perfectly safe as long as I have the telephone right beside my bed.
13: Well, we'll look into it, Mrs. Stevenson, well, and we'll see if we can check it with the telephone company. But the
11: telephone company said they couldn't check the call if the parties had stopped talking. I've already taken care of that.
13: Oh,
4: you
7: have? Yes.
11: And personally, I feel you want to do something far more immediate and drastic than just check the call. What good does checking the call do if they stop talking? By the time you track it down, they'll already have committed the murder.
13: Well, we'll take care of it, don't you worry. Well,
11: i say the whole thing calls for a search, a complete and thorough search of the whole city. Now, I'm very near the bridge, and I'm not far from Second Avenue, and I know I'd feel a lot better if if you sent around a radio car to this neighborhood
13: at once. And what makes you think the murder's going to be committed in your neighborhood, Oh. Ma'am?
11: Well, I, I don't know. Only the coincidence is so horrible. Second Avenue and uh, the patrolman and the bridge.
13: Second Avenue is a very long street, ma'am. I know. And you know how many bridges there are in the city of New York alone. Oh. Not to mention Brooklyn, Staten Island, Queens, and the Bronx. I know. How do you know there isn't some little house out on Staten Island on some little Second Avenue you've never even heard about? Oh. How do you know they're even talking in, about New York at all? But I
11: heard the call on the New York dialing system. Uh,
13: maybe it was a long-distance call you overheard. Oh. And telephones it... are funny things. Look, lady, why don't you look at it this way? Supposing you hadn't broken in on that telephone call? Supposing you'd got your husband the way you always do? You wouldn't be upset, would you? No,
11: I suppose not. Only it it, it sounded so inhuman, so cold-blooded. Well,
13: a lot of murders are plotted in this city every day, ma'am. Well, we manage to prevent most all of them, but a clue of this kind is so vague. I... Isn't much more used to it than no clue at but all. But
2: surely you... Unless,
13: of course, uh, you have some reason for thinking this call was phony... And that somebody may be planning to murder you.
2: Me? Oh,
11: well, no, I hardly think so. Well, I mean, why should anybody? I, I, I'm i alone all day and night. I I see nobody except my maid, Eloise, and, and she's a big girl. She weighs 200 pounds. She's too lazy to bring up my breakfast tray. And the, and the only other person is my husband, elder He's crazy about me. He just adores me. Wait. On mean hand and foot, it scarcely left my side since I took sick 12 years ago.
13: Well, and there's nothing for you to worry about. But now, if you'll just leave the rest of this to us, we'll take
11: care of it. what will you do? It's so late. It's nearly 11 now.
13: We'll take care of it, later. Well,
11: will you broadcast it all over the city and send out squads and, and, and warn your radio cars to watch out, especially in suspicious neighborhoods like mine?
13: Lady, I said we'd take care of it. I... Just now, I've got a couple of other matters here on my desk that require immediate attention. Oh, good night, ma'am, and
3: thank you.
7: Oh, you, you <coughs> idiot. Oh. oh now, why did I hang up the phone like that? Now we'll think I am a fool. Oh, why doesn't Albert come home? Why doesn't he? Oh. oh.
12: call,
11: please. Operator, for heaven's sake, will you ring that Murray Hill 70093 number again? I can't think what's keeping him so long.
12: I will try it for you. Well, try, try.
7: Oh. so nervous. Why does it take so long? I'm sorry. <laughs> Murray Hill
12: 70093 is busy. I will call you. I and... can hear it. You don't have to tell me. I know it's
11: busy. Oh, oh! If if I could only get out of this bed for a little while.
7: If I could, if I could get a breath of fresh air, or just lean out of the window, or or see the street. Hello, Albert. Hello. 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 Oh, what's the matter with this phone? Hello, hello. For heaven's sake, who is this? Hello. Hello, hello.
12: Oh, Twin. Oh, Financy. Your call,
7: please. Hello, operator.
11: I don't know what's the matter with this telephone tonight, but it's positively driving me crazy. I've never seen such inefficient, miserable service. Now, 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 look. I'm an invalid, and I'm very nervous, and I'm not supposed to be annoyed. But if this keeps on much longer...
12: What seems to be the trouble, please? Well, everything's wrong. I haven't
11: had one bit of satisfaction out of one call I've made this evening. The whole world could be murdered for all you people care. And now, now, my phone keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing every five seconds or so. And when I pick it up, there's no one there. I'm sorry. If you will hang up, I will test it for you. I don't want you to test it for me. I want you to put that call through, whatever it is,
12: at once. I'm afraid. I cannot do that. You can't.
11: And why? Why, may I ask?
12: The dial system is automatic. Oh. If someone is trying to dial your number, there is no way to check whether the call is coming through the system or not. Oh, this. Unless the person who is trying to reach you complains to a particular operator. Well, of all this
11: stupidness. And meanwhile, I've got to sit here in my bed suffering every time that phone rings, imagining everything. I will try to check the trouble for you. Check it. Too. Check it. That's all anybody can do. Oh, what's the use of talking to you? You're stupid. Oh. Her, of all the impudence! Oh, how dare she speak to me
7: like that! How dare she speak to me like that? Oh, oh!
12: Your call, please. Young woman, I don't
11: know your name, but there are ways of finding you out. And I'm going to report you to your superiors for the most unpardonable rudeness and insolence that has ever been my privilege. Give me the business office, at once.
12: You may dial that number direct. Dial it direct.
11: I'll do no such thing. I don't even know the number.
12: The number is in the diet directory. Or you may secure it by dialing information. Now listen here. You...
7: Oh, what the use?
12: Oh, for heaven's
11: sake! I'm going out of my mind. Out of... Hello? Hello? Stop ringing me, do you hear? Answer me. Who is this? You realize you're driving me crazy? Who's calling me? What are you doing it for? Now stop it, stop it, stop it, I say. Hello?
7: Hello? If you don't stop ringing me, I'm going to call the police, you hear? The police! (laughs) Oh, if Albert would only come home. (laughs) Oh, let it ring. Let it go on ringing. It's a trick of some time. And I won't answer it. I won't. I won't. Even if it goes on ringing all night. I won't. Now what's the matter? Why did they stop ringing all of a sudden? What time is it? Oh, where did I put that clock? <laughs> Five to eleven. Oh, they've decided something. Oh, they're sure I'm home. They heard my voice answer them just now. That's why they've been ringing me. Why no one has answered me. Oh, i operator again. Oh, oh, where is she? Why doesn't she answer? Oh, Brady. Why did not you answer? Spencer... Oh. Your
12: call, please. Where were you just now?
11: Why didn't you answer at once? Give me the police department. I'm
12: sorry. Oh. Just a
11: minute.
7: Oh. oh.
12: I'm not sorry. The line is busy. I will call you.
11: Busy? Busy? But that's impossible. The police department can't be busy. There must be other lines available.
12: The line is busy. Oh. I will try to get them for you later. No, no,
11: I've got to speak to them now or it may be too late. I've got to talk to someone.
12: What number do you wish to speak to? Please?
11: I don't know, but there must be someone to protect people beside the police department. A, a, a detective agency. A, a... Uh,
12: you will find agencies listed in the classified directory. But I don't which... have a
11: classified directory. I I,
12: I I mean, I'm too nervous to I look it up. I will connect you with information. Know... Perhaps she will be able to help you. No, no. Oh, you're
7: being... Spiceful, aren't you? You don't care, do you? What happens to me? I could die and you wouldn't care. <laughs> Oh, stop it. Stop it. I can't stand anymore. <laughs> Hello? What do you want? Stop ringing, will you? Stop it. Hello?
13: Is this Plaza
7: 42295? Uh, y- yes, I'm, I'm sorry. This, uh, Yes, this is Plaza
11: 42295.
13: This is Western Union. Yes. I have a telegram here for Mrs. Albert Stevenson. Yes. Is there anyone there to receive the message?
11: Yes, yes I'm I, Mrs. Stevenson.
13: The telegram is as follows. Mrs. Albert Stevenson, 53 North, 2nd Place, New York, New York. Darling, terribly sorry. Tried to get you for last hour, but lying busy. Oh. Leaving for Boston, 11 oh. p.m. tonight on urgent business. Back tomorrow afternoon... Keep happy. Love, signs, Elbert. Oh no. Do you wish us to deliver a copy of the message? No. No, thank you. Thank you, madam. Good night. Good night. Oh, oh. oh no.
7: No. I don't believe it. He couldn't do it. Not when he knows I'll be all alone. Get some trick. In some trick, something, something is trick. I'm not. Oh, I'm so nervous. Oh,
12: <laughs> Your call, please.
7: Operator, try
11: that Murray Hill seven zero nine three number for me just once more, please.
12: You may dial that number direct. Oh.
7: He's gone. Oh, Albert, how could you? How could you? (laughs) Oh, I can't be alone tonight. I can't. (laughs) If I'm alone one more second, I'll go mad. (laughs) I don't care what he says or what they expenses. I'm a sick woman. I'm entirely... (laughs)
12: This is information May I help you? Uh, I,
11: I want the telephone number of Hensley Hospital Hensley
12: Hospital? Yes do you have the street address? No,
11: no, it's somewhere in the seventies. It's a very small, uh, private and exclusive hospital where I had my appendix out two years ago. Uh, Henchley, H E N C. Wait a moment. Well, will you please hurry and, and uh, please? What is the
12: time? You may find out the time by dialing Meridian seven one two one two. Oh,
11: for heaven's sake, I've no time to be dialing. The number of
12: Hensley Hospital
7: is Butterfield
11: seven oh one oh five. Butterfield seven oh one oh five.
12: Yeah. Henchley Hospital. Good evening. The nurses' registry. Who was it you were to speak to, please? I want the nurses'
11: registry at once. I, I, I want a trained nurse. I want to hire immediately for the night. I see.
12: And what is the nature of the case, madam?
11: Nerves. I, I, I'm very nervous. I, I need soothing and, and companionship. You, you, you see, my husband is away, and I'm... Have you been recommended
12: to us by any doctor in particular, madam?
7: No,
11: but I really don't see why all this catechizing is necessary. I, I, I just want a trained nurse. I was a patient in your hospital two years ago, and after all, I, I do expect to pay this person for attending
12: well, me. We quite understand that, madam, but these are wartime you
3: know.
11: I know that.
12: Registered nurses are very scarce just now and our superintendent has asked us to send people out only on cases where the physician in charge feels it's absolutely necessary. Well,
11: it is absolutely necessary. I'm a sick woman. I'm I'm very much upset. Very. I'm, I'm alone in this house, and I'm an invalid, and, and and tonight I overheard a telephone conversation that upset me
12: dreadfully. In fact, if, if someone doesn't come at once, I'm afraid I'll go out of my mind. I see. Well, I'll speak to Miss Phillips as soon as she comes in. And what is your name, madam? Miss Phillips? And when do you expect her in? I really couldn't say. She went out to supper at 11 o'clock. 11
11: o'clock, but it's, it's not 11 o'clock yet.
12: Oh.
7: oh, my clock has stopped. I thought it was running down. What time is it?
12: Just just 15 minutes past 11. What was that? What was what, madam?
7: That, that click just now in my own
11: telephone. As though someone had lifted the receiver off the hook of the extension telephone downstairs. I didn't hear it,
12: madam.
11: Now, about this... But I I did. There's there's someone in this house. Someone downstairs in the kitchen. And they're, they're listening to me now.
7: They're listening! I won't... I won't pick it up. I... I won't let them hear me. I won't let them hear me. I'll be quiet. And nothing Oh Oh, but if I don't call someone now while they're still down here. Wait, there'll be no time.
12: Your call, please. Operator. I'm I'm in desperate trouble. I'm sorry. I I cannot hear you. Please speak louder. I I
11: I
7: don't dare. I there's someone listening. Can, can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Oh, but you've got to, you've got to hear me. Oh, please, please, you've got to help me. There's, there's someone in this house. Someone who's going to murder me. And, and you've got to get in touch with. Me.
10: Got
7: to... Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. Did you hear it? He's he put it down. He's put down the extension phone. He, he's coming up. Ah, I'm, he's coming upstairs. Okay, give, give me the police department. The police department. Oh, give me the police department.
12: One moment, I please. I will connect you. I can hear him. Oh, I can hear him. He's coming me. Oh, I know it. Hurry,
7: hurry, hurry, please.
13: Oh, I'm... I'm sorry. Must have got Police the wrong number. Three, Sergeant Martin speaking. Police Department. Martin speaking. Police Department. Martin speaking. Oh. Police Department? Police Department. I'm sorry. Must have got the wrong number. But, but don't worry. Everything's Okay. <coughs> And so closes Sorry, Wrong Number, starring Agnes Moorhead. Tonight's tale of... Suspense.
10: Defense was rebroadcast for you soldiers, sailors, and Marines of the United Nations by the Special Service Division of the War Department of the United States of America.
0: Enjoyed the bonus story of course I couldn't let this episode end without featuring the all-time great sorry wrong number as I said well me- let me make a correction this is the season finale of season five not season six I will be back I'm gonna take a short hiatus and I will be back on March 22nd with a brand new season but remember you can always find me on Facebook at facebook.com terror1970 and you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. I also have a YouTube channel Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe, like, and share the videos. Will be highly appreciated. Again, I want to thank you all for all the support for the last three years and there's more to come. Again, This is your host, Keith, better known as The Radio Show Nerd, signing off.